Well, good morning again. So good to see all of you. Welcome. Uh, I hope you were blessed. Uh, you enjoyed uh, this Christmas program put on by our children's ministry. Uh, we have so many uh, gifted, talented, little kids, big kids, big, big adult kids. And I just want to, you know, get a chance, please thank Steph, Tina, Ariel, our entire children's ministry staff, not just for today, but what they do week in, week out, pouring uh, into our kids. Well, I guess uh, my secret is out. Uh, my name's Eric, I'm one of the pastors here, and I like to rollerblade. <laughs> uh, I'm not good at it, but uh, always loved it, always will. I got my first pair of rollerblades when I was a kid. I think it was around elementary, junior high. Uh, all the kids in the neighborhood have them. Uh, we went through a phase where we, we rode them basically every day. We, we raced in them, we played tag in them, even played football with them. I just went anywhere, everywhere we could in our rollerblades. Uh, but like most things in life, you know, eventually we, we phased out of it, stopped riding them. Uh, to this day, I don't know what happened to those first pair that, of rollerblades that I had at that time. I never rode them again. Uh, but then a few years ago, uh, I was kind of looking for a new way to exercise. I can get kind of bored doing the same thing over and over. So wanted to find something that was you know, low impact, easy on the knees, something relatively fun. And that was pre-mountain biking. So I thought to myself, well, what about rollerblades? Um, loved them as a kid. So you know, I went online. I did some research, found a, a decent pair, ordered them, received them in the mail. And... As soon as I got them, uh, this internal tension began to develop. This combination of excitement, uh, but also anxiousness, nervousness. On one hand, I loved riding rollerblades as a kid. On the other hand, it had been 20-some years since I last uh, laced them on. Yet truth be told, uh, that wasn't what, what made me feel the most nervous. That wasn't what made me feel anxious. I wasn't I knew I would crash, but I wasn't that worried about crashing and falling. The thing I was most nervous about, and, and I'm not proud of this, but the thing that made me feel the most anxious was that in my opinion, it's just my opinion, in my warped way of thinking that's deeply rooted in insecurity, in my opinion, no matter how athletic you were, no matter what kind of clothes you wore, no matter how proficient at rollerblading you were, there was just no way to, to ride them and still look good doing it, right? It's like, no matter what you did, <laughs> right? Like, it, it just, like, you could do the speed skater look. You could do the one-arm swing, right? You could do the running. But there's no way to do it and, like, look cool doing it. So whenever I ride my rollerblades, I always go out late at night when it's dark. Uh, I have a hood over my head. Sometimes I wear a ski mask, and this was pre-COVID. But just to be clear, over the next three months during my sabbaticals, if you see someone riding around late at night with a hood over his head in the La Palma Cerritos area, it, it's not me. <laughs> it's not me. Now all this to, to say, for me, and it's just for me, to ride my rollerblades down the aisles of this sanctuary in front of all of you during church, for me, it's, it's kind of a big deal. And I like to, to think that there were some things that were communicated. 
uh, by doing it. One, I love our children's ministry. I support our children's ministry. I'll do anything I can to, to help them in any way I can. Two, it's hard to say no to Steph and Tina. <laughs> and three, I, I like to rollerblade. Well, this morning, <laughs> thanks, Andy. Well, this morning, we are obviously here to remember and celebrate Jesus' birth. A moment in history where the second person of the Trinity, the Word of God, took on flesh to live amongst us. And that's kind of a big deal. And God wanted to make a statement. And it wasn't like it was a secret before. It wasn't like he was embarrassed or timid or shy. But for whatever reason, according to his sovereignty, his divine providence, in light of his infinite wisdom and perfect timing, he decided to make something abundantly by coming to earth, he chose to reveal something about himself. Something he desires each and every one of us to remember today. Something he desires every person to experience every moment of every day. And that is simply this. He loves us far more than we could ever imagine. God loves you more than you will ever know. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the Christmas account in the Gospel of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. And what we've seen so far is that Jesus coming to earth, it wasn't something that was completely just random or completely unexpected. Rather, it was God fulfilling his promises, but in a way that was just far better than what anyone expected. And the reason it was far better than what anyone expected is because his love for people is far greater than what anyone ever imagined. See, God promised a Messiah. He promised a Savior. He promised a King. He promised Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus would be all those things, but in a way that surpassed everyone's expectations because his love far exceeded everyone's imagination. This morning, we're going to look at a portion of Matthew's account where people are trying to kill Jesus. And it's kind of obvious why we don't include this section in Christmas musicals and such. Now, if you remember last week, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, not too long after Jesus was born, a group of magi from the east, astrologers, wise men, they come to Jerusalem to pay their respects to worship Jesus. Right? They, in essence, say to, to everyone, uh, basically, that a star has led us to Jerusalem so that we could worship the new king of the Jews. And this greatly disturbed King Herod, who was the current king of the Jews, because he had no intention on being the former king of the Jews. So it's in this context that we pick up in our, our passage this morning. If you want to turn there, it's Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, or you can read up on the screen. Verse 13, Matthew writes, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. 
Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warmed in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. All right, so Matthew is making something extremely clear once again that all of this is a fulfillment of what God had already promised. Here, after the, the Magi had come to visit Jesus, after they had bowed down to worship, after they had, they had imparted gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, and immediately after, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream, and he basically says, take Mary, take Jesus, get to Egypt ASAP, because Herod is going to try to kill him. Herod, not too long after, issues a decree that every boy two and under in Bethlehem and its surrounding areas is to be put to death, which, which happens. Eventually, Herod passes away. An angel of the Lord appears to Joseph again in a dream and says, come back to Israel, it's safe to return. And it's out of this context that Matthew quotes from the prophet Hosea, out of Egypt I called my son. Now for the average first century Jewish listener who's, who's hearing this, this story, this sequence of events would have sounded eerily similar, right? God rescuing his own by sending a Joseph to, to Egypt. Sons dying, mothers weeping, God calling his own out from Egypt, right? They would have immediately thought of the, the Exodus. And for Israel, the Exodus was God's greatest demonstration of care and concern for them up until that point. It was the singular moment in their existence where every person could look to and say, see, God is with us. God is for us. He sent us Moses. He rescued us from slavery. He delivered us from bondage. He gave us the law. He led us to the, the promised land. And what God is doing by sending Jesus to Egypt, calling him out of Egypt, what God is communicating is, remember Exodus. I am about to do something similar, but this is going to be a, a, a whole lot better. You see, what God would go on to communicate, what we go on to show is, is look, I didn't just send you another Moses, I, I sent you my son. I didn't come to, to merely help you with your circumstances. I came to free you from your sin. I didn't come to, to, to release you from, 
merely release you from oppression, but I came to remove the, relation, re remove the separation between you, between me. Right? I didn't come to, to merely give you instructions written on stone. I came to, to live amongst you, to eventually give you my spirit so that I could dwell within you. In other words, what God is saying is, Moses was good, but Jesus is, is greater. Right? Canaan was good, but my kingdom on heaven and earth is far better. The law was good, but a relationship with me is far greater. See, what God is communicating is that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the blessing to the nations. He is the king who will rule forever. He's the one I've been telling you about. He's the one you've been waiting for. But he's far better than anything you expected because my love for you is greater than you ever imagined. See, John 3, 16, a verse that a lot of us are familiar with. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. See, the reason God took on flesh, the reason he chose to become a helpless, vulnerable baby boy in a broken, sinful world is because he deeply loves and cares for you, for me, for every person who's ever lived, for every person who ever will live. And Christmas is, is still the, the early stages. It's still the first act of God demonstrating that love. He would go on to show more of his love through Jesus and everything Jesus said and everything Jesus did, and he would most powerfully demonstrate his love by Jesus' death. Jesus dying on a cross for our sins, paying the debt that we owe because of our failures and our transgressions. Three days later, he would rise from the dead and once and for all show us that sin and death has been conquered and that eternal life is available to anyone and everyone who turns to him and entrusts him. And for those that do, he gives us the Holy Spirit who is constantly working for our good so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we could grow to be like him, so that we can live out this life through him and and for him. And he does all of this because he loves us, cares for us. Right? Have you ever loved someone more than they, they realize? Right? If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, a, a godparent. Now, I've shared this several times, but I, you know, I remember as if it were yesterday. I remember holding my kids for the very first time in that hospital. And as they're in my arms and I'm pacing back and forth in that room trying to let Amber rest, there's just this love and joy that just like explodes, erupted within me. And I was so overwhelmed, so overflowing that I was just singing loudly as quiet as I could, not trying to wake anyone up. And I'm just praying, you know, God, Help Carly, help Katie, just to know how much you love them and how much I love them. And as I'm worshiping and singing and praying, right, 
The funny thing is, the baby, they have no idea who I am, what I am, right? where this horrific sound of singing is coming from. They have no understanding, zero understanding of, of my love for them. And then as they got older, as they were like toddlers, like seven, eight years old, and I'd ask them, like, how do you know daddy loves you? And, and they'd respond by, ice cream, boba. It's not the deepest understanding of my love, but it's better than nothing. It's better than zero, so I received it, I took it. And now that they're 14, now that they're 12, their understanding is, has grown a little more. But it's nowhere close to, to what I feel the love I have for them. And I just think to myself, right, if, if a, a 25 to 30 year age difference can produce such a large gap between how much I love them and how much they understand my love, how much bigger, how much wider is the gap between God's love for us and our understanding of his love? for us. If you are visiting today, if you are new to church, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that God loves you more than you will ever know. It doesn't matter how you live your life. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you believe, what you think about God, what you think about faith. God loves and cares for you so much more than you will ever know. He desires to have a relationship with you. He desires to bless you, provide for you. And we as a church, we exist. We are here to do our best. And we fall short, but to do our best to show you that love. If you are a believer, if you are a disciple of Jesus, maybe you've been a Christian your entire life, maybe you've been coming to this church for over 40 years, Maybe you read your Bible cover to cover every month, do your quiet times every morning, pray consistently, fast regularly, listen to sermons just for fun. Even you, God loves you more than even you can imagine. And that's not a knock on your imagination. Your imagination is probably good, it's probably great, but God's love is just that much greater, that much bigger, that much wider, that much higher, that much deeper, that much longer, that much further. So as we celebrate Christmas today, as we celebrate this week, as we sing songs about shepherds and angels and babies, as we give God praise for sending Jesus and coming to earth, let us also remember the reason for the season, which is God's love for you. As we close our time this morning, in a few moments, I'm just going to invite us to just pray, pray with me. And as you know, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to invite you to, to simply hold out your hands if you feel, feel led. If you don't, it's okay. If you feel led to just hold out your hands as we pray as simply a gesture, a posture as a way to say, God, help me to, to understand more of your love. Help me to experience more of your love. Help me to receive more of your love.
Help me to, to believe that you love me. Maybe some of us wonder. Maybe some of us doubt. Maybe some of us think, I know God loves people, but I've messed up too much. I've gone too far astray. Maybe we're struggling. Maybe this is a difficult season. As we remember loved ones, loved ones we've lost. And that's wherever we are. To simply come before God and say, God, you need to enable me. You need to empower me. You need to convince me. You need to persuade me. You need to do whatever it takes so that I can grow in your love. So that I can know more of your love and experience more of your love. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you and we praise you for sending your son Jesus to live amongst us, to ultimately die for us. And God, we ask that through your spirit, you would enable each and every one of us to experience more of this love to know more of your love, to believe with absolute confidence and assurance that you love us far more than we will ever know. That there is no sin, there is no mistake, there is no decision, no failure that could ever get in the way of how much you, you care about us. So God, help us to see, help us to know, help us to understand. Draw us nearer to you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.